We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com holiday new on curiosity stream how do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production could napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future and how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet james burke's visionary series connections returns for a new generation Experience all new Connections. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. All right, it is that time once again. Back to normal. Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. That means it's awesomeo.com. PJ Strategy Show presented by Prize Picks. We're going to talk a little Prize Picks in the show, and who better to do that? It's been dodging me for weeks, but look who is back. <laughs> Eric Lindquist in the house. Hello, sir. It's been uh, it's been a hot second. Sam Burns won another tournament while you were gone. Welcome back to the show. Sure did. Uh, he's pretty good at golf, Ben. One day, one day you'll believe me as he continues to rack up wins. This is kind of the way that I felt about Jordan Spieth. So I don't blame you by any means. I, I've never liked Jordan Spieth. I can't believe he's I good like at golf. Yeah. Well, you do like he's Sam. Just not Burns. that he's just not that. Well, he's been good lately. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Memorial. We're going to talk about the Canadian Open. Chat, but it is good on? to be back. I'm going yeah. to just say that. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I, I took one of them off, had to fill in on the baseball stuff. It's good to see our people. It's good to be back here talking golf. This is, this is what I do. I talk golf. Golf is my life. And uh, whether it's playing it or talking it, looking forward to it. Uh, seems like there's some things going on in the golf world right now. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe we'll have some time to talk about that uh, circus of a press conference this morning. We look back a little at Ooh. Memorial. Ooh. Uh, my my betting was all right. I, Wise and Neiman were kind of in the hunt. That would have been a, a week saver. But my goodness, the Fitzpatrick career worst putting, the Billy Ho win was not on my radar. Some oh. ugly things at Mirfield Village. What do you take from that? as we transition closer to the U.S. Open and into this week. Well, we got our guy Stewie in there in the chat. Scott Stewie Stewart, uh, 65 to 1, Billy Horschel cash, uh, cash Ooh. money. How about that? I had never was going to roster Billy Horschel. I can tell you that much. Uh, I didn't bet him. I had Thigla. I had my hostler who triple, triple. That seems bad. Back to back on on Sunday goes from minus six to even in the blink of an eye. A lot of bad things that were happening there for me on that Sunday, uh, most notably the winner of the golf tournament. But uh, it was still an entertaining watch. Um, it was fun to watch him make the punt on 15. It was still entertaining to uh, well, Max Homa making double on 18 was also really, really costly to me. More so to him going back from what would have been a solo third to T5. A lot of things that were happening on that Sunday, but uh, ready to turn the page after a really good colonial. I'm going to have good weeks anytime Sam Burns wins, but uh, we're moving the page. We are heading to Canada. Hey, that's the beauty of DFS. There's no cumulative effect. Thank God, because uh, I really liked my setup last week and it just did not work out. And then what you got to do, you got to separate things that are, I think, outliers like Fitzpatrick's putting 
from things that certainly were some mysteries like Russell Knox. Uh, but we do turn the page and we go to the Canadian Open. And the interesting thing here, we've in the past couple of weeks, we talked about Colonial. They played that tournament, what, 40 years in a row at that place? Mm-hmm. Mirfield Village, Jack's place every year. Not the case with this. We're at St. George's. This is a course we haven't seen. This is not a DFS course. So what do we do there? I want to get this out right now. We've got five par threes and three par fives, an interesting layout. So when you see a course like this, what are your impressions and how do you attack something that we don't have course history to really rely on? So first of all, for people who play golf and you get those golf digest packets and they rank the top golf courses in Canada, in the US, it's like, oh, top 100 here, top 50 up there. This is always near the top in Canada. This is an elite type track. It's really entertaining. They actually hosted the event, uh, RBC Canadian Open, back in 2010 is the most recent year that they've had it. It bounces around to different sites, but uh, 2010, the last time that we saw here, uh, Mr. Peterson won there. It's been a while since we've seen him uh, in anything whatsoever. Carl Peterson, uh, the Swede, but uh, I, I'm looking at this golf course is very, very different. Even from then, it's been changed the the surface type for the greens. Uh, they they changed it to bent grass, I believe, in order to sustain it more for the winters. So it, it's going to be more of a, a a type of northeastern uh, till, uh, tilling house type special golf course, like in in terms of design. It's going to be really tight in terms of approach. The greens seem pretty small. And then you were talking about it being a little bit tree-lined this morning. I, I definitely see that, but I think the fairways might be a little bit more forgiving. The problem is if you end up in this rough, they have definitely bolstered it up to be somewhat U.S. Open-like, it would seem. But uh, in order to, to make it a little bit more difficult, because if this golf course, uh, it's not very long. It's not all that difficult. Um, if, they, if they had this with no rough, I think the guys would just eat this alive. But a par 70, 7,100 yards, uh, the protection of this golf course is going to be super fast greens, like running around 12, 13 on the stimp, and then the rough, which is going to be longer than tour average. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that you're going to be able to be aggressive off the tee. Certainly, these par fives, everyone can get to. You're going to have guys making eagles. There's no doubt about it. You've got the par threes. I don't expect it to be overly challenging. I don't think the certainly not like Muirfield where you mentioned like triple, triple. Bo Osler wasn't the only one doing that. There were big numbers mm-hmm. lurking all over the place. If you're in the wrong spot here, if you're trying to get up and down, it can be a little difficult from what I've seen. But I think overall, I'm just going to kind of stick to what, what I think we need to do here. And there's no magic like, oh, just give me guys who do this. All around game would be good. I think off the tee can still be an asset. You mentioned some fast greens. Maybe I look at that a little bit, but it just seems like a pretty fair test of golf for all the players included. I'm in agreement with that. I think uh, in order to hit smaller greens, you better be good with your irons. In order to make birdies when you're only getting three par fives, you're going to need to hit your irons close. So again, uh, that shouldn't shock anybody that that's going to be a higher valuation for me. I do think you can get away with some shots off the tee that aren't completely perfect, uh, depending on the angles that looking at this golf course, I'm on Google Earth going through some stuff. And it seems as though... Yeah, it, it seems like it's going to be a little bit wider in terms of the fairways than what I've been hearing other places this week. Um, I think total driving, obviously, is always something that you can you can move up your board. But uh, yeah, stay out of the rough in the bad places. Uh, tee off on the back nine. Oh, I wanted to throw this out right out of the gate, too, because we probably won't have another time to talk about it. Showdown. There is an edge. 
and the edge is playing guys who start on the back nine. They're going to be teeing off on one and nine. The easiest three hole stretch on this golf course, you go par five on nine, par five on 11 with a 377 yard par four wedged in the middle. Three of the easiest golf holes, maybe the three easiest golf holes all lie on that nine, 10, 11. You should be looking at stacking up some back nine for the birdie bonus. Now, of course, they got to still make three birdies, but these par fives, specifically uh, nine and 11, are so benign, both under 540 yards. They're pretty much auto birdies. And then you get a short par four for the best players in the world, especially at the top end. There is definitely going to be merit to starting with those guys. Yeah, that's a good little thing uh, to clarify. And just, you know, why they're starting on nine, I have no idea, but they are. So you've got those three holes. And naturally, just for just to put all the pieces together, you won't have that opportunity if you start on the front in terms of getting those holes in succession to make your three straight. So that's something we'll definitely talk about tomorrow night. Me and Jason Roslin, we'll, we'll dig into that, see what we can find. But I am glad you brought Actually, that up. I'm I- thinking about it out loud. I guess if you're teeing off on one, you're still running into the same stretch. It's not like they're broken up by 10, right? Maybe I'm thinking about that incorrectly because it would actually be an edge to play the front guys if they started on yeah, 10. Now that you're saying it out loud, look at this. Yeah, I'm talking myself into changing my take immediately. There is you no edge to nine. it. 9, still 10, 11 it. are going to get played rebel. in succession no matter what. So never mind. Remove everything I said. I was just getting so enamored by looking at this golf course. But yeah, isn't that funny how math works? Silly me. Yeah, well, you know what? Not everything from every show will be clipped and put in the uh, the highlight, <laughs> the Hall of Fame burn of it. shows. So, Remove yeah, we'll, it from we'll the record. That. Strike it from the record. Well, I don't talk about showdown on these shows. I get myself into trouble Sorry. every time. Anyway, there will be streaks. There will be bonuses. That's the last thing I actually wanted to talk about. This does seem like an event under 70 bonus birdie bonuses, things like that. Not that you can factor in like, oh, give me the guys that make that, but you're going to want to look at birdies or better, I think a little more than a place like Mirrorfield. So we turn the page there and where do we turn it? We turn it to prize picks. This is a new sponsor of the show. I know a lot of you guys are familiar with prize picks. They've been doing a fantastic job, a lot of opportunities over there and who better to talk about it than Mr. Linquist. I'll get to you in a second. I just want to talk. If you're unfamiliar, these are daily prop-based contests, and we've got a promo code for you. You can use the promo code AWESOMO for a $100 first match deposit bonus. What, you're be, what you'll be doing, you're picking three, four, five guys in lineups, so and you get up to 10 extra entry fees. You're doing these over-unders. I'll have you explain that a little more, but this is a great, great opportunity. Head to prizepicks.com or don't download Prize Picks in the App Store. You play a lot over there. You're in California. That is a site that I know you frequent. You do great work on the Odd Shopper channel with some prize picks videos. Talk to me a little about the PGA format over there. Yeah, so it started an NBA season into MLB. It's just been a hot run here for the MLB streets, but you can play across multiple sports. It's not just PGA that you'll have to play. You can do NBA, MLB. If there's Awesome L Plus that you're a part of, which I hope you're a part of. Uh, You have an opportunity to use all of that data. If you have Odd Shopper, which all you have to do is create a login and you're able to get all of that data, you can use everything to correspond to prize picks over here as well. But you're playing two, three, four, or five players. You're playing them in conjunction and you just want to find winners. Minus 110, minus 150, doesn't matter. We are looking for the things that have the highest expected win percentage, no matter what. And so in the golf streets, right out of the gate, We are looking at a first round matchup first round in terms of birdies or better matchup of Scotty Scheffler versus Harold Varner, the third. And I understand 
that Harold Varner III has been good. But we're talking about Scotty Scheffler, number one in DK points for the entire season by kind of a landslide as it stands right now. Harold Varner in this field sixth. So it might not seem like a gap, but Scotty Scheffler has a massive advantage in terms of birdie or better streaks here than uh, above Harold Varner. I think that, you know, with a tie being just an absolute push, how do you not click on Scotty Scheffler as one of the first guys that you want to have in there? We'll talk about him from a DFS angle, but uh, right out of the gate, Scotty Scheffler, take the over on birdies or better for him above Harold Varner. That's the thing. You can use the betting tools that we have over on Odd Shopper as kind of that information. And then you go to prize picks and boom, you, you mentioned the lines, the lack of lines. You're just trying to find those edges. And, and although I like Harold Varner, uh, there would be no reason for me to push back on that. So you have a great opportunity over there. Again, promo code awesome. We're going to talk about that throughout the show. But we've got some pretty big names as we turn to this field. You mentioned Scotty Scheffler, JT, Rory. I call them the big three. Throw in. Uh, some of the other big names here, but for a week before major, I was pleasantly surprised at at who we have in this field. So as we kind of kick off pricing, we've got Scotty Scheffler at 11,100, JT at 10.9, Rory at 10.5. We've got three others in the 10K range we'll get to, but what are your thoughts when you look at the pricing? Uh, I think the pricing is actually pretty good. And again, it's going to be very top heavy. We talked about that a little bit this morning briefly and uh, there's just these elite guys and it's going to be impossible. I'll, I'll answer your question. You always asked me, can you build with two from this top end? You absolutely can. And you absolutely should be trying to find some of these guys that are 10 K and above in the same lineup because Scheffler, Thomas, Rory, Cameron Smith, Shane Lowry, Sam Burns, that is a murderer's row in the 10 K range. You compare them. Look at the low nine K's where it becomes Munoz, Chris Kirk, Keith Mitchell, like we're talking some massive disparity and yeah, it'll get really thin, but there's actually some decent enough guys in the mid sevens where I think just getting to that 10 K range and, and isolating, you know, a, a preference of Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Rory, wherever you kind of find your lean, uh, I'll tell you mine, but I, I definitely think that uh, the 10 K range, they've really done a good job in pricing. You're going to have to make one or two uncomfortable plays, but I think they're out there this week. So you mentioned that you you obviously have some interest doubling up north of 10. Is there a combination? Are you looking at two of the three of Scheffler, JT, and Rory? Or are you thinking more, let me take one of those three and pair them with one of the Lowry's, Burns, uh, Cam Smith types? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of JT for me. Uh, it looks like he's getting... 8% more roster ship. I don't know if people understand that it's at a different venue than Rory went completely bonkers at in 2019, bouncing around the, the venue here for the RBC Canadian. Rory obviously showed uh, some massive upside that week and, and just obliterated the field. Memorial was interesting. Another weekend woe situation for him. The PGA, he has that 74 on Saturday. He shoots 73, 74 at the Memorial to just fade from any kind of contention. Uh, just didn't look sharp with his irons at any point in time uh, over that weekend. It was just a, a weird situation with Rory. And now we're talking about him being by far the highest owned guy uh, above, well, uh, amongst that trio, Scotty Scheffler, JT, and Rory. Just give me JT. I, I think just long-term, I've more invested in him. Uh, obviously, Rory's shown what he's capable of constantly. And Scotty Scheffler is the hottest player on planet Earth, kind of coming off of another close call for another W already this season. But uh, I think JT's always going to be the guy that I prefer all other things being equal. And it seems like the ownership 
uh, a little bit lower on him as opposed to Rory, a little bit higher than Scotty Scheffler. I think that's about appropriate, but I want to be over that. Yeah, I'm not going to. I mean, listen, Justin Thomas, he just racked up another major. Then, I, you know, he missed a cut at Charles Schwab. I don't care about that at all. Week after a major like that, just didn't have it with the irons. I think Rory is still playing extremely consistent. The wins are going to come. He's just playing too well to not win. Uh, so I have no problem with it. But you did mention the ownership is going to be there. So I'm going to have to find ways to leverage because I like Rory. No problem with any of them. I guess for me, my bigger question is the, the next three. Cam Smith, Lowry, who's playing amazing, and Sam Burns, who racked up another win. You can't get over on all of these guys. Do you have a preference? I know you're a Sam Burns truther. Do you just keep playing him, or do you go somewhere else? Uh, Sorry, I just got distracted by Pat Perez out going to the Live Tour. Did that happen? I can see him going to Live. Okay. Uh, I just didn't see that that news came through. So. I, I haven't heard that. I'll I'll see what's going on mainly because he was a guy i was going to be recommending when we got to the 7600 number I, he was one of my favorite guys in the upper like above 7500 so uh i have an entire thing written up about him so i would like to know if that is a confirmed fact or not he's not in this field um pat perez has withdrawn did he go to live i have no idea but he's not playing in the canadian open wow okay that's weird he's, i mean it could be like injury related out here what well i just hang on a sec this this is so frustrating to have happen live while we're doing this well it's better um, now than post thursday lock yeah seriously i got some lineups yeah what what am i missing here and don't tell me don't be one of the people who's like oh you should have saw you withdrew like stop it just I, what are we, what are we yeah, doing did it just just happen yeah i didn't because i didn't yeah. see it it just happened a couple minutes ago there was a tweet okay that he's been he's withdrawn I didn't see anything about live. Maybe that's true. What I know is true is that he's not playing here. Get okay. him out of your lineups. You've got 48 hours to do that. If you can, <laughs> uh, there's no, no uh, hope for you. Uh, yeah. I, all right. Well, I, I'm just going to delete this paragraph. There we are done. There this is why you prep for shows, right? Or not why you prep. For Talk shows. to me about, <sighs> cause Pat Perez, although maybe he would have made the show, we would have had to talk about him in, in a couple of segments from now. He's not up here with, with the elites. Is it Burns <laughs> for you again? I, I like to obviously yeah. ask you, you've had insight into him for a long time. Guy is cash and checks, winning trophies, flat 10, yay or nay? Absolutely. And uh, on FanDuel, I believe it is FanDuel, uh, Odd Shoppers identified that, that Sam Burns is the best value, top five and top 10. Even at shorter odds, it's like plus 450, plus 270, respectively, for those. Doesn't matter. The kid is elite, and he's just got this combination of tee to green game and putter, and there's just these weeks that he does everything right, and he just runs a train. Uh, Charles Schwab, uh, 7.5 tee to green, 5 with the putter. We talk about the Valspar, 8.8 tee to green, uh, with 5.2 with the putter, 7 strokes gain approach. I mean, he has these massive upside weeks, and it's always – you know, a, a ridiculous, you, you just kind of know he's a winner. Like he goes out there he's these certain weeks when he gets himself in contention and 65 on Sunday at the Charles Schwab Valspar gets in a playoff. You knew he was winning that the same way you knew he was winning the playoff against Scheffler. I guess, yeah, I didn't feel great after his approach on 18 there, but still the guy gets himself in the mix and then just puts the foot down. He's very calm, cool, collected pretty much all the time. I've just been riding the train of, of play Sam Burns every single week and enjoy the value of it because I think 
this ascension to top 10 in the world is not a fluke. He is a top 10 player in the world. He will be for years to come. So buckle up and just make sure that you understand 10K for him might be 11K in two or three weeks. So the thing about Sam Burns that's fascinating, it's just really how you look at it. The guy's got two wins over his last 10 starts. That's beyond elite. He's got five missed cuts in his last 10 starts. He he throws in some of those, but there's no doubting how incredible he is when the buttons click. He's gained four more strokes putting in five of six. He combines that with a fantastic tee to green game. When he doesn't have it, it's kind of ugly at times, particularly when he loses the putter. And I, I still think he's going to miss his fair share of cuts, but he seems like the kind of guy that's going to more often than not win each year on tour because when he hits the ceiling, there's few, if any, players that can stop him. So He's becoming less of just a pure Bermuda specialist too because ball striking is going to travel everywhere. And if he's going to be gaining stuff like 7.5 T to green, 8.8 T to green, any given week, it's it's like the Sam Burns show. So you have an opportunity to have that. And now we're seeing the putter splits. Uh, You know, it goes to the Charles Schwab and gains five there. I mean, we're talking, it isn't just going to be uh, a Bermuda split guy for me going forward. I just think there's a lot of opportunity for him to continue this great streak of putting. He's now gained in five of his last six tournaments coming off of, yeah, the Genesis Phoenix Open Farmers. Uh, You get out here on some of the POA and it's not nearly as fun, I would say. Uh, Phoenix can be Bermuda, but still, um, he's just a guy that's starting to put it all together and you want to be... Uh, I mean, we were early to the party. I hope you guys all were in terms of betting him, but uh, we're going to continue to ride it because he's that good. Yeah, again, I think the next step for him will be, can he limit the missed cuts? He misses too many cuts for a player this good. Now, next range, we got the nines. Fitzy is the first name up at 99. He had his career worst putting performance on the PGA Tour. Is it a coincidence that I picked him to win on my tee? (laughs) Probably not. Uh, That's what I got. I really think that this is a pretty easy buyback situation. His tee to green numbers over the last three weeks, 5.9 came in second, 7.3 came in fifth, 6.5 missed the cut. It was just a freak occurrence with his putter. He's an elite putter. Normally I don't worry about it. I like Fitzy. You've got Varner, Connors, Hatton, Finau, Hadwin, Munoz, Kirk, and Mitchell. The range really does drop off. What do you do with the nines as we break them down? Yeah, this upper nines is interesting because I I find myself being able to click on Sam Burns a lot, putting him with Rory or JT, uh, obviously less Rory because of where the field's at on him. But um, it it feels like Harold Varner, he's a decent enough play there at 4%, 3.5%. I don't think that's what he'll end up being. Uh, That would be pretty nuts to me if that ends up being the case. But you're dead on with Fitzy. I mean, this is just a buyback spot. And I don't know what to make. He's, He's done this a couple times now. He did it at the RBC. He did it at the players. He has these massive negative putting weeks for a guy who's as elite with the putter as what he is. I don't know what to make of it. All I know is that it shows up from time to time. Certain players can be extremely confident one week, and then the next week, they don't think they can make anything. Just look at Jordan Spieth. It feels like an entire year of the latter. So I'm I'm thinking that we got to be just going right back to the well. He's now gained massively Tita Green. He's hitting the ball a lot further, and that that is just – something that can't be understood. He's, he's hitting it over nine, 10 yards further than he did last season. That's a noticeable difference for a guy who does everything else. Well, now that's five straight tournaments with strokes gained at where he's been positive off the tee. That's never been something he's always been a decent driver of the golf ball in terms of accuracy. And that's kind of what bolsters those numbers similar to a Brian Harmon, but 
this newfound distance is an actual thing. And if he's going to be doing that, every other part of his golf game is a buy. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, we putting is always high variance, but just to look in, yeah, he, he's had some bad putting weeks over the stretch and he rebounded really like he lost 3.3 strokes putting at the heritage in that miscut. He followed it up. He gained seven strokes putting the next time out at Wells Fargo. So he can correct that. And I think he will. Uh, everything else checks out. I like Varner as well. He feels overpriced, but I don't think that he is. His two career best finishes, second and third, both at Heritage, another RBC course, one that I think has some parallels here. So I'm on board with that. Then you've got the Canadians. Connors gained eight strokes with the approach and the ball striking last week. It looks like he's back. Hadwin, he gained in all four categories last week, 18th. He had been on a bad run of form. So I'm okay with either of them, but I don't have a ton to say on this range. And I want to ask you specifically about Tony Finau, who is just lurking at 94. Yeah, he's lurking. He's also garnering some attention. And you like the low-owned Tony Finau, but this seems like because of the lack of a mid-range, there's really no mid-range. This is your mid-range, like 9K. It's really, really expensive. And I find myself just shorting these guys as a result. I want to get to more of the elite players, the top 50 players in the world, of which there's only seven in this field. And, you know, top 10, though, you've got Scotty, JT, Rory, Cam, and Burns. So that's five of the top 10 right out of the gate there. So I'm finding myself up a little bit higher. It's really hard for me to land on a lot of Fino as a result of it. Even if I think he's a decent enough play, just garnering enough attention for me to bypass him. Getting a little bit lower, though, I want to ask you about Sebastian Munoz because this is just always an interesting guy to me. It's been worse, but we saw the Byron Nelson third. The Byron Nelson kind of sticks out as, as another one of those tracks where it's a little bit more of a scoring fest. That's what he did. He had the opening round 60. For some reason, I feel like Sebastian Munoz is always a guy that, you know, I, I just got done poo-pooing him against Scotty Scheffler, but that's compared to Scotty Scheffler. So let's be serious. But like, I think at 9,200, if he's going to be sub 5% along with Hadwin, along with Kirk, I'll bypass the Canadian narrative. I'll bypass Chris Kirk. I mean, Sebastian Munoz is just a guy that I think can go out and make troughs of birdies. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of landing on him a little bit more. Do you have any kind of a lean on him? So I, I totally get it. You know, it feels a little overpriced, but the ownership may de be depressed and he's got crazy upside. We've seen that with first round leaders. I prefer Finau and Hadwin, I think, just kind okay. of looking at it right now. I want to see some of those. Munoz is interesting in this sense to me. He's wildly erratic, but he's also consistent. He's made nine straight cuts and only one of them, he has anything inside the top 20. So he's finding the weekend, but he doesn't seem to be able to string together four quality days. And I know certainly what comes to my mind would be the players. He came in 33rd. He was right amongst the leaders heading into that Monday uh, and he completely melted. So it's been there. He can get hot with the putter. He's gained in four of five. I don't mind that as a tournament play. I think Finau and Hadwin are safer options. I don't want anything to do with Killa Keith. Hatton, I'm pretty indifferent to if you want to go there. Okay. Yeah, every, everything else in the range is kind of a pass for me outside of getting some Munoz. Munoz. Adam Hadwin, you know, coming off of a, a really decent top 20 yeah. at the Memorial, I'm okay with a little bit of, but nothing is enthusiastic for me in this range. And yeah, Killa Keith is a pass for me. Patrick Reed, Justin Rose. Thigala. These are the top of the 8K range for us this week. Then you've got like Rasmus is in there, CT Pan, who I really like, Brendan Todd, who's north of 100 to 1. Talk to me about this next range. It's not going to be your first man in, but it could be your second in a balance build. 
We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com holiday new on curiosity stream how do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production could napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future and how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet james burke's visionary series connections returns for a new generation Experience all new Connections. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Isn't it crazy? I'm Figala, already up to 8,700 now. And I know it's partially a result of really no mid-range here, and A is just a little bit overpriced, but it feels good to be right about guys. And, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's I'm not paying attention to the guys I've been wrong on, but the two guys I've really been ringing the bell for for the last year year and a half of doing these shows together has been Sam Burns and Thigala. I mean, this guy, I can't tell you how much he murdered me out here in Southern California. And you would watch him play, you'd play a golf course and he'd win by 12. And you're just confused how he could be that much better than you, but he's on the PGA tour playing with the best players in the world. And it shouldn't surprise it. But when somebody's like that noticeably better than everybody else in Southern California, you kind of take notice. He's been a buy as a result of that. I think the best players in the world, uh, a lot of the best amateurs in the world come out of Southern California. He had been the guy. He ended up winning the player of the year in college at Pepperdine. He's just continued this form into the PG tour, got his bearings. He had to get his sea legs going a little bit. He hit the ground running in the winter. Now we're starting to see some major serious results from him. Seventh at the Valspar, fifth at the Memorial. These are not slouch golf courses that he was able to excel on. You get on a pitch and putt. I don't want to call it a pitch and putt because that's not what this is, but it's a shorter golf course, tactical uh, in some spots. But for the most part, these are the kind of things that he's used to here in Southern California, these 7,100 yard coastal type tracks. Uh, That's not what this is by any means, but I'm saying that like, the smaller green complexes, the defense of the golf course being the speed of the greens. Something just tells me he's going to have another good week and just keep stringing these together. So sub three, sub three or 4%, I'm never going to run into a golf tournament on planet earth where I'm not going to want to be over the field on it. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously got some talent. We'll see where he goes. He's starting to show real flashes and, and sustained flashes potentially. It's just an interesting range. So Patrick Reed was a guy that I think everyone, including me, kind of saw that it was trending upward and didn't really materialize at Memorial. He regressed quite a bit, made the cut 53rd, right back to negative on off the tee in the approach. I'm okay hanging on. Certainly most of that ownership is going to jump off here. And I, I think that a one-week sample after he showed real promise of Charles Schwab is fine. The other guy in the range that I am, Johnny Vegas, who's not putting at all right now, lost in four or five with the putter, but everything else looks really good. He missed the cut at the PGA, but everything else uh, made seven straight cuts around that. I think he is more than playable. So those are the two guys I'm going to focus on the bottom of this range. I love CT pan. He might be my favorite play of the week. What else do you see? Like, do you blindly back a guy like Rasmus with all this talent? Or do you, do you say, I need to see something? 150. You play Rasmus. He's one of the DP world tour 
you know, the, the multiple times. Yeah. Denmarkian. I love calling him Denmarkians. One of my best friends from college was from Denmark. Instead of calling him a Dane, I'd call him a Denmarkian. He thought that was funny. He could have also punched me in the face and probably would have been. Yeah. Say that to Rasmus. He doesn't mess around. Yeah, I know. He's got that, that fangle tooth that he's got hanging out the side of his mouth. He's a player. I love, I love absolute stud. Yeah, no, he's a stud, but, uh, 1%, 1%, you got to back it in 150. You got to back it probably in a 20 max, get to 5, 10% play him in two lineups. Um, no matter what, I think I'm going to get to a little bit of him if he's ever going to be low owned. He's just kind of, he he's a guy that we don't have enough data over here to really make any kind of an educated opinion about yet. It hasn't shown up so far in any of those spots, but a Valero, top 20, I'm okay with that. Corrales, top 10, I'm okay with that. Like, Field doesn't know about him. Great. We just click on the name and get to, you know, 10% of him and move on with our lives. So he's the other guy, Brendan Todd, no real interest. We know he can get ridiculously hot with the putter, uh, but I'm going to be a pass on, on Brendan Todd. Uh, just seems as though, yeah, eight point, uh, what is he? Yeah. 4%. Eh, I'll have a little bit CT pan. I love your call on him. He was a guy that I wasn't really considering that much. I was just like, Oh, he's just too popular. 8.5%. I can get Rasmus at one. I can get Mackenzie Hughes, but I'm really off on Hughes now. Um, I don't really know what to make of his golf game. 37th of Memorial, but really, other than the Wells Fargo, it's been really tough sledding. So he feels like a a guy that I I don't know what these Canadians are going to get for ownership, but it feels like there's enough people talking about it on Twitter and saying stuff from like, I bet he gets up above 5%. I, I like Brendan Todd a little more than you. I think this is the type of course we could see him thrive, but he's definitely behind CT pan. CT pan is a guy that I've played a lot in recent weeks and it's gone fine. He's gained a nine straight with the approach. He's made the cut in seven straight. He came in 53rd at the Memorial. He made a 10. He made a 10 on a hole and he still found the weekend. If you can do that, you're still playing some pretty good golf around it. So I, I really like this course for him and shocking. The theme of the show, theme of all my shows this week, he's a winner at RBC Heritage, which I I do think (laughs) is a really good thing uh, when you're looking at this. I don't know what to do with Mackenzie Hughes either. I'll be honest. I'll let ownership and our tools, which is why you want to get inside the ropes here at Awesome, uh, do the work for me, see what Alex and the team come up with. They identify him as leverage. I will take a look. If they do not, I will pass. Uh, I don't have a strong take on him. Anything else for this range? It's a small, one of the things that struck me, there's only eight guys in the 8K range. Yeah, it's a that's, very- That's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange to look at, but let me tell you, it's very welcoming to have all these 7K players to kind of pick and choose from because of how much you want to get to the 10K range. All right, now, I, I just mentioned there's only eight guys there. There's like, I, I was going to count and then- there's like 50 guys in the 7k range yeah. so let's talk about the upper sevens aaron rye you've got yeah. champ you've got a million names pga tour regulars not pat perez but patrick rogers for telly smotherman has gotten a big price bump t dunks has gotten a big price dump what do you do here do you go to rye do you go to someone else i'm scared about rye like here's the thing you could look at the memorial and and i generally i said i'm gonna bet him uh, and, and this is, this is the kind of that weird conversation where it's like, I don't want Aaron Rye to go out and put up a top five, top 10, and I don't have him invested in those streets, but also in a DFS angle, I think it's going to be something where he starts getting more and more attention. He's at 6.5%. 
We'll see what happens tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a lot more indicative of where ownership is going to land than the first run we have going here now. But I get a bad feeling he's going to be around 10% coming off of a 26th at the Memorial. Been a guy who's only missed one cut now since March. Um, Just seems like he's had some good form in the two-man event. He's had a lot of different spots where he's gotten himself you know, across the across the the line for people who have played him sub seven k, he's now seventy nine hundred. That's the most expensive you can be in the seven k range. Hashtag math. But he he gained eight point two strokes gained with the putter and lost five point three with the approach at the memorial. I mean, that is some pretty drastically bad ball striking. And so if we just see the putter flat, or you know, that's that's by far the most putting strokes gained putting he's ever had. Uh, let's see, 2.6 is the second most he's ever had in a tournament where we have strokes gain data. So if you make that 2.6, you're talking about a guy who's 60th, 50th in that event. I don't think he could possibly hit the ball any worse than what he did at the Memorial, but I also don't think he could possibly putt any better. So it's kind of a moot point. I'll have a little bit from FOMO perspective, but if he starts getting to, to 10%, 11%, I might have to just cut him and go to the rest of the range. And that's kind of what I'm anticipating. Yeah, I don't think that he certainly for me doesn't stand out amongst his peers in this range. So if you're talking about one third the ownership on some of these other guys, to me, it's a pretty easy pivot. Nobody stands out in this range. Uh, Adam Long is there. I think that's fine if you want to go there. I think JJ Spawn for Telly. Uh, these are all low allocation, high upside, high risk type plays. So Should I, I read my Pat Perez bit? Please, you. I didn't even know you. You really, I didn't. Pat Perez was not even going to make the show unless you mentioned him. Yeah, he was. No, stop it. 18th and DK points. Uh, the Memorial, 26th. Uh, off the tee was a little bit poor there, but I think off the tee is going to be a little bit more forgiving this week. Coming off of a 12th at the Charles Schwab, we've just seen some decent form from Pat Perez. And I thought at his current ownership, he made a fantastic play. So awesome. Thanks for leaving for the live tour. The very first time I'm probably ever going to recommend you, I never will again. Yeah, well, you probably never have the opportunity again. So I'll play him at the U.S. Open if he's there. Yeah, the U.S. Open next week. Good things. Has a really cool shoe collection. Um, I feel he does. It's lots of Jordans. I didn't know that either. We're just finding out all sorts of things on this show about Pat Perez. He also left uh, the Bermuda when he made the cut and he was off the Island. That wasn't good. Rio <laughs> 7,400, Matt Wallace, 7,400 sick Schwab Jaeger. I mean, these are guys that typically for me, we see in the, you know, mid sixes, we talk about them as last man in the depth of this field is really bad. And that's why they're in the mid sevens. Can you play these guys with the price increase? Or do you say we're going to have to find another way to save some salary? No, I think you can get on some JJ spawn. I'm not sure what everybody else is going to do. Camera champ there, 10%. Getting down a little bit further, I'm looking at Alex Smalley. Uh, I, I can get behind some Emiliano Grio this week. Are you literally not going to click on your boy now that he has a pulse again? You you have seen some of the strokes gain data. Like he's he's got a pulse again. He's he's a part of the conversation. He's part of the conversation. The thing that's a little weird is that it it's not he's not doing anything normally. So at the Memorial, he lost four strokes on the approach, which is his like biggest redeeming quality. And he gained four strokes on the around the green, (laughs) which is his biggest weakness. So I don't know what to make of it, but he has made four straight cuts. He should in theory be able to lean on his ball striking here and be just fine. I think so. I think this is the first time that this might be the first time since 
Sony that we've probably said his name? Um, no, he's been no. Actually, he's just been awful. So he was probably... awful until the last four. We're starting to see him string together some finishes where it's like I could see clicking on the name. Whereas I don't think there was a single time that I've clicked on his name since the Sony Open. It, the opportunity cost is not much because I don't see a lot of safety in this range. I mean, no. Schwab isn't playing great. Sig isn't playing great. Steven Yeager had a great run and then he missed the cut of Charles Schwab. It doesn't mean he can't bounce back. In fact, I think he'll have opportunities to bounce back here. I just don't see a lot. Nick Hardy was brought up by chat. We don't see him on tour too often. When we have, it's been pretty bad. Uh, Svensson, 71. That's a name. Again, another Canadian, though. Does he get that artificial bump? Yeah. Uh, artificial bump more than likely, I would think. I tell you what, it's almost like Canadian flags when they play in the RBC Heritage. People start going on this narrative of they just want it more. They care about their home open. They're not trying to win a PG Tour event anyway. What are you talking about? If they're in Texas, they don't care. That's always such a weird thing to me. Even home course narratives are kind of weird to me. I think once in a while they can have some type of value. Um, but for the most part, it's like all things being equal, you have to play better than a lot of people to be successful. Uh, and it just doesn't feel like uh, having a, a maple leaf next to your name is going to matter that much. No, I, I tend to agree. I think they're like if Hadwin wins this week, everyone will be like, well, he's Canadian. That's like, but that that doesn't that's not how it works. Just like when guys have their home course narrative. It's unquantifiable. Yeah. I don't really worry about it. I do think some of these guys set up well, regardless. Last couple names, Sneds, Seifert, Scott Piercy, the Gim Reaper, Lebiota. Any of these guys uh, moving the needle for you at all? I mean, we got to play Poston. I got to play Poston. Why not? Why not JT Poston? My boy. What is he? My boy's doing? starting to play some golf. And I mean, the putter's always good. He's now gained with the putter in five of six. So if the ball striking is going to be easier, if off the tee, which he had been on fire with at the beginning of the season, he had been positive, I think, in every tournament outside of the Valspar until he ran into the Charles Schwab at the end of May. We're talking a massive run of form off the tee. Uh, Strokes gain approach. He's now been positive of five of six. I mean, these are like not JT Poston things to be seeing. Generally, there's those weeks where he has like seven strokes game putting and he finishes second at the Barbasol to Seamus Power. Like those are the kind of things that we see out of JT Poston. But I'm starting to feel like he's turned a corner. I hate seeing that he's getting attention. Like I hate it. Um, it makes me very, very uneasy about it. But at 7,200, you talked about there being a lack of security. The guy's making cuts and he's, had flashes in the past year, year and a half of getting himself into contention, given Barbasol, uh, that's one thing. Quail Hollow, that's a completely different thing. I mean, we've seen him at the RBC Heritage third this season. You know, if you want to have the RBC Heritage link, why are you just removing JT Poston from the conversation? No, you're absolutely right. JT Poston, not just third at RBC Heritage, he's got a eighth place there, a sixth place there, and he's a winner at Wyndham. I think all of that is information that we can use there. The thing that really concerned me about Poston, he seems to be the chalk option in the low sevens. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to monitor that. I'm still going to get there. I just was really hoping that he would be uh, kind of lost or not standing out in that regard. That is something, again, I will lean on our tools. I will lean on our premium section to really smooth out what I think could be a very good play uh, because the comp courses are there and the range is absolutely awful. Let me click, before I say this name out loud, 
let me just click. Yeah, nope. You'll never know who I was thinking of, Jack, because I'm never going to say that name. My what? God, he's been bad. Uh, all right. Nothing. I was looking at some of these guys to possibly recommend. It is a just a graveyard of miscuts in the low sevens and upper sixes. Anything else before we get to the cheapies? Uh, no, just get ready because I have a 6K golfer that I'm going to recommend and have almost, I'm going to have more than 10% of him in 150. Yeah, because, you know, our chat, uh, time travelers, Anthony Orlowski, just from the clouds, thoughts on Goderup. Well, I, I can did promise you. Did he say you, that really? Yeah, I swear to God. Did um, he really? Where yeah. where did he say it? I Oh, Anthony Orlowski. He knows. Welcome to the program. I'm just saying, Ben. Ben, I predict the future. I predict the future. I, yeah, I predict I the future too. Talked about it this morning. I said the kid is going to be good, but we'll talk about him. We'll go. All right. Let's talk about actual professionals before we get to these guys. <laughs> oh Wyndham Clark, Bill Haas, Harry Harry Higgs's price is like 6,800 in the U.S. Open, and then it's 6,800 in this field. But he's been playing just terrible. Say you go, you know, I want Scheffler, I want Burns. I want a 9K guy. You're going to need a cheapie. Who in the 6K range are you comfortable getting to to, to alleviate the salary concerns? Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't feel good, but can we roster some Satoshi Kadaira this time around? Can we get to some Satoshi? I know it was bad the last two times out, but the putter was so atrocious at the Wells Fargo. Didn't make any sense. And then off the tee, which is generally something I think he's all right with, Went negative on the Byron Nelson. The Byron Nelson, yeah, whatever. But RBC Heritage, don't like seeing lost 9.7 strokes gained T degree, but 15th at Mexico Open, 12th at the Sony Open. We at least see a pulse that exists here. Uh, I was going to talk about Shank, but apparently he's leaving now for the Live Tour. Are these guys just leaving today and playing golf in England on Thursday? What's going on? I don't know if they're leaving for the Live Tour or they're just not playing in this event. Okay, well, Adam Shank was definitely in the conversation before, and he was getting around 9% ownership. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's a guy that was going to garner some attention there that you had to talk about. Uh, I'll let I'll let Jason talk about Brandon Wu. I'm sure he's going to have some kind of a sales pitch for that. Second at the Mexico Championship. I mean, he played finally a good golf, uh, a, a good golf tournament, showed a little bit of what that pedigree could be. I think he's a buy sub 5%. Uh, that's another guy to kind of lean on uh, a little bit in this range. They're all uncomfortable, but there isn't that much safety or comfort in the mid sevens either. So like at this point in time, just cap uh, capitalize on some talent and Brandon Wu has to be at the top of the board. There's no doubt about it. I don't think Brandon Wu is that far off from being Eagle-esque. If he gets it together, he could really have an ascension or he could not be uh, nearly as talented and not put it together. And we'll see. But when you're looking at the six K range, there's just not that much in terms of I want guys to make the cut. You're going to have to embrace a pretty difficult range here. So names you throw out are going to be littered with concerns. I'll be honest. I looked at Danny Lee a little bit. His ball striking has been pretty good. He's got a lot of missed cuts, but the, the stats don't look that bad. He was 23rd a couple of weeks ago. Boy, though, there's just not that much to say. You mentioned Kadira, who, who did win at Heritage. Uh, totally on board with that. I'm going to give you a true one percenter down here. I don't think you need to go crazy, but I looked at Cameron Percy, who okay. again, he, he doesn't make a lot of cuts, but it's course specific. He was seventh in Puerto Rico, missed the, missed the cut at the Valspar, which is a little disappointing. Fourth at Corrales. Then he missed the cut at Wells Fargo and Byron Nelson. 
I don't really worry about that as much. When he was in form in late 2021, he ripped off seven straight made cuts. He gained all seven with the approaches, and he lost with the putter in five of seven. We know what this guy's going to do. He's going to ball strike. He's going to miss putts. I think that can translate just fine in the 6K range. So I'm looking at him amongst his peers. I think that Percy as a one percenter is worthwhile. Uh, I'm going to click and add that. I, I like that. Uh, Norlander's the shout out from Mike Campbell. I'm okay getting to some Norlander. He's up, up over 5%. And there's really nothing other than I've seen some decent results. And I, I would really feel like shit if Henrik Norlander finally played well. Uh, but look at this. Him and Kang both getting over 5%. That's a little bit ludicrous to me. When you can play Chris Goderup for, at 1.4%, 6,300. And let mm. me just give you the elevator pitch quick. Chris Goderup. Transfer from Rutgers to Oklahoma, played on their team this uh, played on Oklahoma this season, first team all Big Ten or all Big 12, excuse me, ends up going to NCAAs, finishing top 10 there. He's an absolute stud. He was uh, up for player of the year. You know, everybody knew, everybody wanted this kid to transfer to their school once he got done with his three years at Rutgers, ended up picking Oklahoma, goes out and qualifies for the US Open here last week. And this is just one of those guys, you get these murmurs. Uh, again, Southern California, pretty big hotbed. You get some young talent from USC, UCLA, and they play against the best players in the country. And some of these kids have been talking about Chris Goddard up for a little while out on the practice team, just throwing it out there that this is a guy that they are like, he is really freaking good. And he mashes the golf ball. Pretty much all these up and coming kids from college now are going to be mashing the golf ball. And I'm not sure if anybody watched the NCAAs, um, you know, coming up uh, last week. Uh, it, it was some entertaining stuff to watch how incredible these kids are. But got her up, complete golf game, phenomenal driver of the golf ball. There's no stats. He's 1.4%, but he is so good that even his top 20 odds on FanDuel this week are only plus 500. Like that's that's a pretty aggressive, nice number. Like we're talking 20 to one in this golf tournament. That tells you one, how wide open it is. And two, that he has a lot of talent in respect to the rest of this range. So at 6,300, He's a guy that I'm going to immediately be buying into. Okay. Do we just end this? You're like, I need to, I need to get Jeff back. I'm taking it all in. Okay. I, I think people know my stance on that. I don't, I don't play uh, possibly made up people. This guy might have, he might be extremely talented. He played in Puerto Rico. I will say this. Top this 10 in not, Puerto Rico. Top 10 in Puerto Rico. He, this is not his first go round on the PGA tour. He showed that he can handle himself. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't really feel the need to go to this guy because again, I, I for every Sam Burns, there's three other names that don't pan out for every Thigala. There's the other side of it. If you're early and right, these guys will quickly rise in salary and you'll look back and say, man, there were a couple opportunities there to, you know, anchor my lineups with a, you know, a 6,300 guy that shouldn't have been in the sixes. That's could be what we see here. That's the decision you have to make. Mm-hmm. I will play guys that I have at least seen, and I know uh, their ceiling might not be as high, but their floors probably a little more impacted right now. <laughs> Any ghetto farmer boy, what's not to like? He's averaging a seventh place finish on the yeah. PGA Tour. This guy, a hundred percent top ten finish rate on the PGA Tour. That's better than everyone else. Uh, and yeah, I mean, at the rate we're going, everyone's going to withdraw and this guy's going to make the cut automatically because there's only going to be like 70 players left. But is there anyone else? We've got about five minutes left here that you want to talk about. To me, I don't, I would really strongly caution not going 
lower than this because I, I don't see anything worthwhile in the, in the really low sixes. Yeah, it, it gets really gross. There's really nothing you need to be trying to force into your lineups. I mean, Scott Brown is nearly 10% owned. Okay, what? That, that can't be real. Again, we that we'll see how the ownership matures as the week yeah. goes on because that seems a little aggressive. Now, he has made four of six cuts. He does seem like the obvious target in a range, but most likely you shouldn't even go to this range. That would be my advice, not play Scott Brown. Yeah. Uh, Callum Terran, I will have 1% of that's it. I, I have nothing else to say about anybody here. Yeah. There's uh, I'm excited to see this. What's this guy's name? Got up. Christopher got up. Chris got up, dude. I'm telling you, I, I, there's three guys that I've like adamantly said, they're going to be studs. Sam Burns. Mm-hmm. That's I, I think confirmed a win. At yeah. This I'd point. agree with that. I'll be the Sahith, judge of these. Sahith Thigala, when yeah. nobody knew who he was, I recommended him. He was 1% owned his PGA tour coming out of the gate. And he just immediately the hit third. the ground running. Austin Eckrode. Yeah, that guy. I was about to say, I saw him, uh, you know, at the food truck this morning. He, <laughs> he was saying, what's going on to me? I mentioned uh, to follow you on Twitter yeah. uh, at Eric Lindquist, at Jazz DFS. That's, the, listen, for every, the, and I think you Two would, three. you would mention, you don't have to bat. Uh, this is like baseball you can sacrifice a lot of misses for a couple good gets because if you're early on a guy that turns out to be a real player, you can cash in in the betting markets. You can cash in on the DFS streets. You don't have to get everyone right. And if anyone tells you that they're finding these made up players and they're all good, they're obviously not telling you the truth because for every one, there's a million guys with big time pedigree that turn out to not handle it from the start. So I think that's Mm -hmm. what you have to do. Uh, You name those guys, Bud Cawley off the tour. Brandon mm-hmm. Harkins off the tour. Oh, I think my, I think my you're third a Brandon was, Harkins stand. Yeah, I love Brandon Harkins. Oh, I think Anders yeah. Albertson was my other third. Uh, mm. There were some issues there. So Bud Cawley should be back at some point, I hope. Yeah, he's, his um, dad's a psycho. That's the problem. Well, live and you learn. All right, final thoughts here. Uh, do I have any info on these unknown Canadian guys? I do not. If they beat me, they beat me. I think there will be a couple of percentage points of people that play guys like that. And I think that's a mistake. Let other people chase that. You play with a couple of lineups in each tournament that are going to be man down, in my opinion. I agree. I will say par 70, 70, 100 brings a lot more of these guys into type of play than uh, if you were to play at the Memorial or if you were to play somewhere yes. where it's going to be 74, 7,500. And if you don't maneuver your golf ball, well, you're dead uh, here. I think you're going to be able to get away with a little bit. You don't have to necessarily be perfect and you can get a hot putter from somebody randomly here. And the ball striking is going to be somewhat similar to a certain extent in terms of uh, everybody's going to have short irons in a lot of these holes. So the, the problem isn't that they can't make the cut. It's there's 20 of them. And a couple are going to make the cut. And right. it's like, it reminds me of the PGA pros kind of at the PGA championship, mm-hmm. you know, one or two are going to get through, but how do you decipher to me? It's just a ridiculous fool's errand to try to figure that out. I want to ask you about lineup construction. You've already talked about your comfortable North double 10, how low, this is kind of my last question. And then we can bounce on out. How low do you anticipate starting? Like, do you think you'll have teams that start with a guy like Munoz, or do you think that you want someone above him on the majority of your squads? There is a 0% chance that I don't have somebody above Munoz starting off my squad every single time. There you go. I I would agree with that. I think you're giving up 
you know, in a field like this where you're falling off cliffs, I think you're really sacrificing it. It's almost unfathomable to me that to think that no one above Munoz is going to be a serious factor and that you're going to want them. So even if you've got uh, a random winner, you're still going to want to lock in some of the placement points that the big names get you. So I'm with you. I'm going to try to pay up. Uh, (laughs) Who is Chris Goddard up? That's the guy that broke into your car. (laughs) We don't know for sure. Um, Possible. I hate people. People are, well, actually, I like you, Mahaka, too. That's great. That's good stuff. That is good, good stuff. Uh, All right. Anyway, friends, (laughs) if you have more questions, if you're looking to get inside the ropes, awesomeo.com slash join. Even if you just sign up for the week, you come into Discord, you check out the tools that Eric's been referencing all show about the ownership, the leverage scores. These are the type of things in a field like this that can really make the difference. We have a great group of people here. I really love what we've been building. The team does a great job. So if you're looking to get involved, no better time to do that. And again, I want to give a special thanks to Prize Picks. Promo code awesomeo on the screen, matching that first deposit bonus up to $100, a great way to play a new format and use the tools that we have over at Odd Shopper to your advantage. All right, sir. Welcome back. It was good to see you. Thanks to to Tyler behind the glass. As always, I'll be back tomorrow night with Jason Roslin breaking down all things. We'll get to the bottom of the showdown. Stay tuned until then for me, for Eric, for Tyler. Good luck, everyone. Enjoy the day. Talk to you guys soon. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.